oftentimes we have events at the church and Pastor Joy and myself have ideas of what we feel like a good setting is, what we feel like, you know, a table should look like, what kind of glassware you should use rather than good old paper products and throwaway things. And so we, the people of our church know what we appreciate and they've learned over the course of time that we really like uh, to live by this adage, presentation, presentation, presentation. And so um, I, I remember a time where we where we had a meeting and we had uh, gotten someone else to do the setup. And uh, I was at the church a little earlier and my wife had texted me and said, hey, how are things looking there? I'm on my way. And I took a couple of pictures and she texted me back, nice, you know? So people learn by your example. Welcome to today's episode of the PW Podcast, where leaders learn to lead. In every episode, you get front row seating to transparent, practical conversations between host Wallace Phillips and successful leaders from the marketplace to the ministry. The result? Your leadership will gain greater clarity, purpose, and charisma. So get ready. Change starts now. Well, hello, I'm Pastor Wallace, and I welcome you to episode number two of the PW Podcast. I want to say thank you for those of you who are tracking us and following us, engaging with us in conversation through varied social media platforms. You can reach us at www.leaderslead.live. That's www.leaderslead.live. Please be sure to share the broadcast with friends of yours. We'd love to impact as many people as possible. Well, we had an opportunity on the onset in episode one to talk about the subject of calling that divine assignment to your life that you feel that the Lord has certainly impressed upon you, uh, given you a skill set for, gifted you for, and also coupled with an innate desire to do the will of God and uh, to fulfill that which you feel like God has placed upon your heart, your mind, and your spirit. So today we want to continue that conversation in a subject of competence. Calling is something God gives to you. Competence is one of the first things we're going to talk about that you give back to God. Okay? So competence. What is competence? Competence is the ability to do something successfully. It's the ability to do something well, to do something successfully, effectively, efficiently. And I'm just submitting to you today that competency is something that, that God has given you the ability to improve, uh, to, to see progression in, in your life. And I want to share with you about four areas today, very quickly, that um, that I believe that are vitally important. This is not an exhaustive list. There are several things that you and I can bring uh, back to the Lord, can give to the Lord uh, to make our calling sure, to make our calling certain. But I want to do um, I want to do service today by offering you at least four categories that I feel are very important. The first of which is communication skills. When we think about communication skills, automatically as Christian leaders, we think about the art of preaching or teaching. This is proclaiming the gospel. This is being trusted with an audience that, that you can engage with, that you can inspire, that you can encourage. 
Often it takes place on a Sunday morning. Often it takes place on a Wednesday night. In some cases today, post-COVID, it, take, it takes place in the context of a Zoom meeting, a small group gathering at a coffee shop or something of this order. But whatever you're doing, uh, whenever you're communicating, you want to make sure that you're communicating uh, very well, that you, want, that you are in fact engaging your people, inspiring your people. We automatically think of preaching and teaching, and so that takes me to, uh, to the words of the Apostle Paul. It seems like we're going to borrow from Paul quite a bit on this podcast, especially in these early sessions. Paul says in 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse number 2, that the one who desires such a task, he's talking about ministry here, he's talking about perhaps the role of a pastor or an overseer. Um, he says the one who desires such a task must be apt to teach. And so that phrase simply means you must be able to teach, you must be skilled in the area of teaching, and have the ability to communicate truth, connecting to believers audibly, spiritually, and inspirationally. In 2 Timothy chapter number 2, the verses number 15, let me read that to you. Do your best, he says, to present yourself to God as one who is approved, a worker who does not need to be ashamed and who correctly handles the word of truth. You know, you want to make certain that you are uh, rightly dividing the word in the King James language. That means to cut it straight. You know, if you go to the carpenter, uh, the carpenter setting, when, when a carpenter cuts a board, the old adage is in that particular skill is measure twice, cut once, right? <laughs> measure two times. And then when you turn that saw blade on and you cut it, you need to make sure that you're cutting in the right place. Because here's the sad truth. If you mess up a board by cutting one piece wrong, then you've got the rest of the board. You've really cut two pieces wrong. So you need to cut it straight. And when we handle the Word of God, we need to make sure that we've done everything that we can hermeneutically to study out that truth, to draw out that truth. And then homiletically, when we present that truth, we present it in such a way where people are inspired, people are engaged. This is a competency. I've often looked at preaching in a little different light. I've looked at preaching like the fashioning of a tapestry. Tapestries are beautiful. I've seen them displayed on walls. I've seen them hanging in, in various locations and facilities. But a tapestry is literally a, a combination of vertical fibers and horizontal fibers overlapping one another. And so there's a, some sort of a weaving uh, a practice to this where you are, are intertwining. And so I'm submitting to you today uh, that preaching is the weaving together of truth with application so that those uh, truths that you have discovered can easily be conveyed to the people that you're speaking to. It's really the, the pattern of the master himself. Jesus was a master teacher. Jesus was a master storyteller. He spoke often in parables as you look in the New Testament, his ministry in the province of Galilee. Remember when you, when you, when you were young and you uh, would occasionally visit with your family, love to go see grandma, love to go see grandpa. I used to do this on a Sunday afternoon. These were days gone by. I'm 61 years old today, and I can remember back in those early days when the family would get together 
on a Sunday afternoon. And often after lunch, we would gather around the, the dining room area or the living room area, and we would be chatting and the kids would be playing among ourselves. But eventually, my grandmother would make her way to the old gooseneck rocker, and she would sit down there as if to say, hey, it's time for me to, now to kind of relax and just enjoy my family. And we would jump up on grandma's lap. It was almost a challenge to see the one who could get there and get on her knee first. The rest of us would be seated on the floor around her and around that chair. And we would say, grandma, why don't you tell us a story? And here's what she would say. Once upon a time, there were three bears, Papa Bear, Mama Bear, and Baby Bear. And she would take us all the way through that story. And then finally, she would get to the end. And you know the line that we were all waiting so so uh, patiently to hear. And they all lived happily ever after. And then you know what we would say? Tell us another one. Tell us another story. We love those stories, and they were effective. You know why? Because they engaged us with her. They connected her to us and us to her. And it was something that we looked forward to. And here you go. We never, ever got tired of hearing the story of the three little bears. Well, let me just tell you something. As you look in Scripture, you see Jesus doing something similar. He tells stories. Here's an example. It's a classic one that everyone knows, the prodigal son. And so in, in, in my translation, in my version, we'll call this the Phillips version, Jesus says this, Behold, a man had two sons. It was just as if he said, Once upon a time, a man had two sons. And then he continues, And the younger one says to his father, Hey, Pop, is there any way that you could kind of, you know, kind of pretend that you've already passed away? and go ahead and release unto me my inheritance. And you know the story in the Gospel of Luke. The father did that. He gave to his son what he asked for, and the son took off with all of his possessions, his wealth, and he squandered it. And, and the moral of that story is when he got to the end of his way, when he got to the end of himself, he, he, he regretted what he had done, and so he found his way back to the father. The father receives him, with open arms and has a party for him and celebrates his son who has come back to life and living. He had come back to the father and the father received him. Those are stories that we remember and we remember the truths very well. And Jesus translated that to our hearing through the parables. And so I think it's important for us to understand that this is an effective way to communicate. If you think about preachers and you think about uh, those pastors who inspire you and whom you love to listen to the most, oftentimes they're the ones who can take the gift of telling a narrative or telling a story. I know for me, a lot of times when I get in my vehicle of a morning and I start out on the course that I've assigned myself for that particular day, I'll pick up my iPhone and I'll pull up the podcast app and I'll find my favorites, those who inspire me, those who speak into my life, those for whom I have tremendous respect, and I listen to them going down the road. And I'm encouraged, and I'm inspired, and I'm taken often to a new place of understanding, a new place of care and nurture for my own self as a Christian leader. And, and here's, the, here's the good thing. Wherever you are on this particular place in your communication skills, 
you can be better. You can improve. You can improve by listening to the, to the stories and to the teachings and to the instructions of other people who do it well. You know, I've heard people say, hey, have you ever heard so-and-so? They call a name, and I'd say, yeah. He said, man, he is a born leader. He's tremendous. He's inspiring. Well, you know, that's wonderful if you're a born leader, but what if you're not? It's wonderful if you have a gift of communication uh, that's just seemingly automatic, but what if you don't? Well, I can encourage you today. You can improve. You can surround yourself with others who've done it well and hear from them. Let them help mentor you and take you to a new level. My question for you as we transition to the next competency is this. Where are you in terms of your communication skills? Ask yourself that question. Think about it. Jot some things down that you'd like to see happen in a better way in your life as a Christian leader. The second competency that we'd like to talk about for a few moments today is attitude skills. Oh my goodness, did you even have to bring that up, Pastor Wallace? Attitude in leading is so important. Uh, I remember a story that was told to me by one of my college professors, Dr. William Richardson. He impacted my life in such a way. In class one day, he said, you can kill a fly two ways. You can use a fly swatter, or you can use a sledgehammer. Imagine if a fly were to light on the desk where you're sitting right now or, or on the dashboard of your truck as you're driving down the road and you wanted to do away with them. Well, you could easily, if you're at home, you could easily grab the fly swatter and there it is. It's over with. Or you could choose a sledgehammer. And when you pull that sledgehammer back and with all of your muscle, pow, you hit the fly. Yes, you kill the fly. But sadly, you know what you do? You destroy the surface on which the fly was sitting, okay? <laughs> so there's a better way to kill the fly. So I'm, I'm saying to you, let's translate that thought to an attitude. Say you have to deal with someone who's under your leadership influence. Make certain that you have a healthy, objective attitude when you go in to deal with that issue of conflict. Because if you don't, you could, you could damage the foundation of the relationship that you have with that person who serves with you, with that person who's employed by you, with that person who volunteers for you. So be very careful. You know, the sad reality is that in ministry, you will have conflict. I was talking to a leader just a few days ago who asked me a simple question. Pastor Wallace, will there always be conflicts and challenges in leadership. And I said, I hate to tell you this, but I've been in ministry for over 40 years, and it has been a steady, steady, steady series of conflicts along the way. And you'd say, well, man, that's, that's kind of challenging to hear. Well, I'm not the one who's bearing that news to you. Can I tell you that Paul, Paul told us that ministry would have its conflicts? In 2 Timothy chapter number 4, Verse number two, Paul says this. He's talking to his spiritual son, Timothy. He's preparing Timothy for the work of the ministry. And so he says, listen, Timothy, preach the word. Be prepared in season. Be prepared out of season. And then he says, correct, rebuke, and encourage. Listen to that. Correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience. There's where your attitude comes in 
and careful instruction. Because you see, it's important that when we come into an issue of dealing with conflicts in the ministry, dealing with people, that we we make certain that we don't go in with just a, I'm, the, I'm right and they're wrong. I'm the leader and they're the follower. You need to make certain that you bring an objective attitude, a gentle spirit, because Paul says, listen, you're going to be called upon to bring correction. You're going to be called upon to bring reproof. You're going to be called upon, yes, to bring encouragement. And you can kill the fly. Listen, two ways, a fly swatter or a sledgehammer. Make sure that you don't damage that relationship and cause that volunteer or that staff person or that person who's in charge of something uh, to to flee and to and to move on. Because when they do decide that there's a, that there's a transition that needs to be made, uh, the Bible says that we are to go out with joy and be led forth with peace. And so that's so important. Our attitude is very important as a Christian leader. You cannot afford to lose it. Your attitude is a part of your competence. Remember, competence is the ability to do something effectively and efficiently and successfully. So you have to be positive. You're looking for resolve. You're looking for resolution, not a deeper conflict. And you have to be culturally aware. You have to be socially aware. What is it that this person brings to the conversation today when I meet with them? Uh, what cultural background do they come from? What social background do they come from? Maybe if you're objective about that and think about it. I mean, are they a person who's just working 60 hours a week at the shipyard are they, and they're trying to volunteer for you at the church? Are they a person uh, you know, that came out of a toxic ministry before they came to your church? And so you have to be culturally aware, socially aware of what it is you're dealing with, because those could, in fact, be factors in why you have the conflict anyway. My question for you today in this competency is this. How is your attitude? Do you need to make some adjustments in the way that you approach challenges in ministry? The third area is that of time management skills. Competent, effective leaders walk in the wisdom of God. They're prudent. They walk in wisdom. Uh, they properly schedule. They set priorities, and they manage time well. You know, people will often lean on an excuse. I've heard this before. People will say, uh, I'll say, hey, are you you guys ready for next weekend? You know, you got everything lined up on a specific task. Oh, yeah, and we're not quite ready yet, but we're going to get there, Pastor. I promise you we'll be ready. And oftentimes people will shove that responsibility of preparedness to the back burner, and they won't properly prepare. And so here they are coming in just a little while before the event, and they're just kind of getting all their ducks in a row because they really didn't get adequately prepared. And they'll use this excuse, I work better under pressure. Can I just tell you, I work better under preparation, not pressure. It, it pays to be prepared. My question for you today is, where are you as a leader in terms of your time management? Do you waste time? How about the cell phone? You know, uh, if you're on the social media platform of Facebook, the iPhone will gladly give you an, up, uh, an update on what your performance has been for the day. Have you ever seen it flash across the screen and show you what your screen time was today? And immediately you say, no way. 
There's no way that I spent that much time on Facebook today. It will surprise you. So you have to be very careful how you spend your time. Someone just recently asked me, here we are early in January, and they posed a question to me. So, Pastor Wallace, I'd be interested in hearing what are your resolutions, S, what are your resolutions for 2023? I paused for a moment, and then I said, well, honestly, I'm not much on resolutions. You know what the classic ones are. I want to lose weight. I want to save some money. I want to be a better this, a better that. You know, you know what all of those resolutions are. I want to simplify things. I want to keep a cleaner house. I want to take care of my car better. And here we go two, three weeks into the year. And the next thing you know, old habits are slipping back on us. So this is what I said to that person. Well, I'd be honest with you. I don't really have any New Year's resolutions. I have one thing that I've asked of the Lord. And I just spoke on this Sunday at Carpenter Shop International Church where I pastor. I just want to be a man of focus, okay? Because if I'm focused on what I should be focused upon, I will be a good time manager. If I'm focused, I'll eat a better diet. If I'm focused, I'll be sensitive to the needs of people. If I'm focused, in other words, if I get my focus correct, everything else will come before me clearly. Everything else will fall into line. Jesus said it like this, seek first the kingdom of God and the rest will take care of itself. So my resolution is to be a good manager of everything that God has entrusted to me. And time is one of those things. I don't want to be shoddy with my time because if I'm shoddy with my time and you're involved in my life on any level, then I'm being shoddy with your time as well. And I don't want to waste it. My question for you today in this third category is, what can I do to improve my management of time as a leader? What can I do to improve my management of time as a leader? The last uh, competency that I want to mention to you today is delegation skills. Delegation skills. This involves management, release, oversight, and accountability. Listen, you can only be one person. Have you ever remembered the story in the Old Testament in the life of Moses? You are to divide these people up into 50s, 20s, and 10s. And God gives specific directions on how to delegate. And so you have to understand that if you want to be more productive as a leader, you're really called to duplicate yourself. In the New Testament, we come back to Ephesians chapter 4, and we're reminded really of the same thing. God gave the gifts of apostle, prophet, pastor, teacher, and evangelist, here we go, to prepare God's people for works of service. So who is it that's supposed to be doing the work of the ministry? It's the people in the pews. It's the people that God has trusted to your leadership and to your care. And it's your job as a leader to properly equip them, to prepare them to do the work of the ministry. Part of that preparation is releasing them, being a good delegator when it comes to responsibility. You delegate, you, you prepare and equip, you delegate, you provide oversight, and then you also, this is where a lot of people fall off the wagon, then you also hold them accountable for the leadership that they have performed. Have you ever considered doing like a debrief on maybe a task that you gave to someone and said, hey, can we get together for coffee next week? 
And as you're sitting there having coffee, hey, I want to talk to you about your Bible study. I saw that on the Zoom call the other night. Can I offer you some some uh, constructive criticism? Or are there areas that you would like to talk to me about where you feel like you uh, were were very positive and favorable but are there areas where you feel weak and vulnerable, where you feel like you could improve? And so I think it's important that we make sure we understand the whole process of delegation. Oftentimes, let me use this example. Oftentimes we have events at the church and Pastor Joy and myself have ideas of what we feel like a good setting is what we feel like, you know, a table should look like, what kind of glassware you should use rather than good old paper products and throwaway things. And so we, the people of our church know what we appreciate, and they've learned over the course of time that we really like uh, to live by this adage, presentation, presentation, presentation. And so um, I, I remember a time where we where we had a meeting and we had uh, gotten someone else to do the setup. And uh, I was at the church a little earlier and my wife had texted me and said, hey, how are things looking there? I'm on my way. And I took a couple of pictures and she texted me back. Nice. You know, so people learn by your example. You show them how to set it up. And then when they set it up, they try to do it to the best of their ability, knowing that you as a leader have kind of set a precedent for what a table should look like. Okay, the thing to remember is this. You're only one person. Duplicate yourself, mentor others, trust them, and then follow up on what you've trusted them to do. You may be a Paul, but God has always ordained that you have a Timothy in your life, one that you can mentor one that you can teach. This improves your competency as a leader. It makes you more effective. It makes you certainly more efficient and successful. So today we've talked about those four categories, those competencies that lend us uh, success as a leader. We've talked about communication skills. We talked about attitude skills, time management, and then finally dedication. Let's sharpen these areas respectively in our life Let's improve our effectiveness and let's be competent. No matter what you're leading, you may be the senior pastor, you may be leading the church, you may be leading a small group ministry or a team in the church, you may be leading a band, or you may be a small business manager. Whatever God has called you to do, do to the very best of your ability. Well, thank you, friends, for joining the second episode of the PW Podcast. I'm Pastor Wallace, encouraging you today to stay tuned with us. Join us on a weekly basis. We'll do our very best to deposit some truths into your life that will help help you become the leader that God has called you to be. Share this episode with your sphere of influence. And remember, it's www.leaderslead.live. God bless you and have a wonderful day been listening to the PW Podcast, where leaders learn to lead with host Wallace Phillips. Thank you for lending us your ear today. Whether you're commuting, at the gym, or on a run, thank you for listening. And please subscribe so you never miss an episode. For more information, visit leaderslead.live. Till next time.